Now, when I was in seventh grade, I was sitting in my class and I got a call to the office. Now, this was a pretty normal thing. I, I considered the, the principal's office a bit of my, my second homeroom when I was in elementary school. Um, and so I walked down to discover like why I was in trouble and then people were looking serious. And then my parents were there, which was really weird. And I discovered that my house burned out. Okay, I know. It actually wasn't that bad of a thing for me. We, uh, I stayed with my cousins for a bit and uh, we uh, got new stuff for the first time in my entire life growing up. Like, like I had never had anything new in my whole life and all of a sudden like we had a new stereo system. But, and, and we also had a, a second house sitting empty across the street. Looks pretty suspicious now that I like think about it. But, um, <laughs> Because in Ontario, if you're a farmer, you're gonna buy more farmland, but you actually had to buy like a whole homestead. So you end up with extra houses. It's just a thing that happens as a farmer. And so, but there was a problem because we'd been renting it out and the people, my parents had kicked them out because they were bad tenants, but they left the house just full of junk. And so my parent, my dad was like, okay, we gotta go clean something. And we're like, like kids, we're like, I was in seventh grade. Like, I don't wanna, run, I don't wanna clean anything up. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure your kids, they're just like, yes, let's go clean stuff up. But I wasn't like that. And so my dad said, if you spend the whole, if you get this hole in this shed, just like pile high with junk, it was awful. If you get this cleaned out, I will take you to a movie. And we didn't get to go to movies very often. And I still remember the movie. We went to, went to Pizza Hut. We watched Star Trek. This is Star Trek. That Star Trek Generations. That was the movie. I still remember it. We're going to watch Starship Troopers only to find out that it was R-rated and I couldn't watch that movie. Um, but Star Wars was, or Star Trek was good anyways. Now, the thing that impelled us to like t tackle that mountain of garbage in the, in the shed was this. It was the promise promise of reward and, and today i get to announce you like preaching like sometimes i bring bad news i announce to good news that in christ there is more promise than you could ever even imagine so let's go promises all right in these 10 verses we have this like really pedantic thing of paul changing his travel plans and then one of the most all-encompassing, amazing promises found in the entirety of God's word. And here it is. We'll just look at it first. 2 Corinthians 1.20. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. And that is in Christ, the son of God. As many as there are promises, they are yes in God. Now, I know that life has had many struggles and difficulties for many people. And it can be maybe hard to see like, yes, like God has 
this good plan. But this is, this is the, the announcement, is that the promise is for where you are today to rest in and endure so that you can continue to walk in God. All right, let's pray, and then we're going to get in the context of the verse. Lord God, I just pray that you would direct our hearts and minds, that we would see and understand your scripture rightly, for they are the words of life to guide our hearts through every valley and every mountain of life, to see you, to raise our eye level, to know what are the plans and what are the promises for your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Now, as we have noted before, 2 Corinthians, Paul is writing this letter because he is under attack by people. I don't know if you've ever been criticized, but Paul is being criticized quite heavily. There's no longer just factions. There are people who are like, that Paul is not a good person. And you know why he's not a good person? He's always writing these like letters to us that are mean and, by the way, he also promised that he would come here on this trip, and he still hasn't gone. He keeps changing his travel plans. Now, things like, like a pedantic thing, and it really is a pedantic thing, but these are the things that people get, like, upset at. You know, plans change a couple of times, and all of a sudden, people are, are freaking out. You know, you can argue the deepest things of theology, and then you change the carpet and the whole church blows up. Like this is, the, these are the things that happen. There are rumors that Paul isn't being straight with the Corinthians. Saying, yes, yes, no, no, at the same time. You know, he says one thing, says another. And so Paul wants to be totally clear and say, Corinth. I have been true with you. I've told you exactly what I knew when I knew it. For our boast is this. You could almost translate that confidence is this. The testimony of our conscience. So our conscience. That we have behaved in the world with simplicity. Simplicity. So it's not yes, yes, no, no. It is let your yes be yes, your no be yo. We have said what we have meant. And godly sincerity. We haven't tried to fool anyone. We've just told people what is. Not by earthly wisdom, like fleshly wisdom. And that's a callback to 1 Corinthians when they have the wisdom of this age. No, they aren't the wisdom of this age. But they've acted by the grace of God. And supremely, and even more, so in the world they've acted like this, but even more towards you have we acted with pure motives before God. For we are not writing to you anything other than what you... Okay, guys, I know I'm going to nerd out for a second, but there's a little play on words here. And it has to do with the word, the root word for wisdom, which is the root word of all of the ones in bold. So just like, I know it's like nerdy stuff and you won't care, but it's fun. <laughs> for we are not writing to you anything other than what you read 
and acknowledge, and I hope that you will fully acknowledge, just as you did partially acknowledge us. And so when he says partially acknowledge us, he says, like, there's been a little gap in what you know versus what actually is, and we want to set that record straight. Just as you partially acknowledge us, that on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, you will boast of us as we will boast of you. You could have that as like, we will have our, our pride in you as you will of us on the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he just wants to set the record straight. But in doing so, he, and this is the first time, it's going to be a couple times, where he raises the eye level of the discussion. So there is a conflict here between, you know, what their travel plans are, and we'll get to the exact nature of that. And he wants to point out, so on the day of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be happy with us and we'll be happy with you. And he does that to remind them that yes, all of them are going to stand before the judgment seat of God. And so he's like, when I'm behaving this way, I know that I'm going to stand before God one day to test my works to see if they get burned up as straw. And so you can trust what I say because I say it before the Lord Jesus Christ and will stand before him. And by the way, you will too. It's a little bit like there's a little bit of a warning here. So, hey, maybe don't read between the lines. Just read what my lines say so that you fully understand our purposes here. Plans have changed. I told you my plans and I'm telling you what I know. We know that plans change, but Christ doesn't. All right, so we're going to do a map. Hopefully you can see it okay. Um, this is Corinth is right over here. Ephesus is over here. This is where Paul is almost certainly writing the letters from. And Macedonia is up here. That's where Alexander the Great is from. That's his homeland. Um, and <laughs> everyone loves it. And, uh, and Corinth is down here. So Paul, at the end of 1 Corinthians, he tells us what his travel plan is, that he is going to go up to Macedonia, down to Corinth, and then have the Corinthian church send him whoo, down to Jerusalem. And man, he doesn't know what's going to happen there, but we do. Um, I hope you do. And then sometime between 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, he's like, oh, there's been a change of plans. Instead, I'm going to do this. And this is what he says in verse 15. Because I was sure of this, I wanted to come to you first so that you might have a second experience of grace. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and then come back to you from Macedonia and have you send me on the way to Judea. So remember the first time he was going in a circle. This time he's going from Ephesus, sailing. Woo, sail in the deep blue. Come sail away with me. Sail, sail away. Come sail away. Okay. And then to Corinth. And then Corinth, he would go up to Macedonia, and then he'd go back, this is on my way, back to Corinth, so a double visit, and then boom, down to Judea, same thing. Now, I don't know about you, but like, I hate when plans change, like, like, like I got a plan, and it's like I, I go home, I'm expecting something to happen, and I discover my wife has other plans. And I'm like, dear, 
how did you not know? Like, I had these plans. And she's like, my plans are in the calendar. I'm like, well, you could have read my mind. <laughs> and then she's like, no, mind reading doesn't exist. And I'm like, ah, oh, it's so frustrating. But like, it's annoying when plans change. It's annoying when plans change. And so actually, like the second plan, Paul wasn't going to actually have to do that and go back to something like the first plan going up to Macedonia and then around, which is on the map because that's what actually happened in the journey. But Paul says, was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? And he's just pointing out something that's simple in life. It's like, we often really desire to do things that just don't work out. That's, that's what happens. And it's actually something that happens a lot when you're following Christ, not just when you're not following Christ. And, and we'll show that in a sec. Do I make my plans according to the flesh? Ready to say yes, yes, and no, no at the same time. As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. And so he defends his conduct here in two ways. The first is, they don't live by the flesh, they live by the Spirit. And to live by the Spirit is to recognize that God can send you different places. And we see this. If you've read the book of Acts, it's like, Paul always had these plans, and they were always getting interrupted by the Spirit. It's like, and when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. It's like they wanted to do this, but the Spirit sent them somewhere else because they weren't working according to the flesh with a plan that they were going to, we're going to follow this letter of this plan. It's like, no, we are going to go, and as we go, we are going to listen to the leading of the Spirit. Secondly, secondly, their change of plans is defended by the fact that although they know plans can change, following Christ, plans can change, but the Jesus Christ that they preached and the Jesus Christ that is with them, he never changes, but in him, it is always yes. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Silvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. There's no negative in Jesus. There are changes of plans. There are sufferings, there are persecution as, and sickness. Paul just mentioned his tribulation that he felt like he was going to die. But there is no no in Christ. Because in Christ, God says yes to every promise that was ever made. Oh, I said, like, theology changes your eye level. And Paul wants him, like, like, don't look at this little, like, hiccup in what we were planning to do. Look up to what Jesus Christ is doing, not only in our lives, not only in the world, but in your life. He is saying yes to every promise that God has made. 
life is hard. And, and, and it's not hard. Like, just look around. Like, you will find things to be depressed about if you just sit and, like, think about all of the terrible things that are happening with so many people that you know. But if you look up to the promises of God, you can overcome the mountain of garbage in your house to the great promise of seeing the movies and Pizza Hut, the highlight of a 90s kid. Now Paul gets to the kind of crowning movement of his theological point. For all the promises of God find their yes in him, and him there, obviously, back to the Son of God, Christ Jesus, was proclaimed, in him. As many as there are promises of God, they get a yes for everyone who is in Jesus Christ. Now, when he says as many as the promises of God, he is thinking of all of the promises of the Old Testament and all of the promises that God has given the new, in the church as Jesus Christ has appeared through his apostles. And so when you read the Bible, you don't have to just read it as like words and stories and things that happen out there. But when there is a promise, it is for you in Christ. It's often a good thing when you're reading the Bible. It's like one of the questions that it, question you ask, are there any promises? Because it says, what are all the promises in Christ? All the promises are yes. All the promises of God find their yes in him. And so I just randomly like picked out some promises. Jeremiah 30, 12, you shall be my people and I will be your God. God can be your God in Christ. I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. We can have a new heart in Jesus. There's promises of the New Testament. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. In Christ, like you get that promise too. Yes, yes, yes. You get a promise. You get a promise. You get a promise. Everybody gets a promise in Christ. Better than Oprah. <laughs> like way better than Oprah. Like who needs a car when you have every promise that God has ever made? Isaiah 45, 17. But Israel is saved by the Lord with everlasting salvation. You shall not be put to shame or confounded to all eternity. Who wants freedom from shame? It's a promise in Christ. You know why? For all the promises of God find their yes in him. maybe here there's just like a couple of little boring notes but uh, like the promises still need to be understood how they were meant to be understood in light of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross uh, often I see people misapplying promises in the Bible all the time and you know just because God made this promise to Israel 
doesn't mean that you can, you know, make that, apply it directly to your nation of Canada or the U.S. or Russia or whatever. Because everything needs to be understood in light of what Christ has done. And Christ has said, my kingdom is not of this world. It is a spiritual kingdom. So we read those, we need to read it in light of the fact that we live in a spiritual kingdom right near. So we don't want to lose sight of that. We still want to read things as they were intended to be read in Jesus Christ, in him. But don't let that get you down because all the promises are working out the best for you and you can read them in light of Jesus Christ. And secondly, we see... And this is the nature of the promise. The nature of the promise is promises are fulfilled according to the timeline of the person who gives the promise. This happens so often with kids. If you ever be like, okay, we're going to like go here to get ice cream. And like two minutes later, they're like, are we going to get ice cream? And I was like, no, not yet. And then two minutes later, are we going to get ice cream? I was like, no, not yet. And then 30 seconds later, are we going to get ice cream? You're such a liar. We're never going to get ice cream ever. It's terrible. I'm like, no. We're going to get ice cream when I know it's the best time to get ice cream. It's 7.30 in the morning. The ice cream store isn't even open yet. It's like, God... God will fulfill every promise that he has made. And I said to put the like the no shame forever. It's like you feel shame today does not mean like the promise is not that you will never feel shame. The promise is that God will work all things to bring you into a place and a kingdom and a life today to free you from the shame that bears you down. For all of the promises of God find their yes in him in Christ now the one question that this raises all of the promises that find their yes in him and so the qualify the qualifier of this of this promise the condition is that they find their yes in Christ and we need to be joined to Christ by faith to receive this promise. And this promise isn't just for everybody in the, in, in, the, in the world, but for those who by faith are joined to Jesus Christ, who have trusted in them, who are trusting in Christ. If you're just walking the other way, don't expect God to like fulfill like promises. Like those who are joined to Christ... It's so amazing, but you know, what kind of promises do you get in life outside of Christ? You get death and taxes, but if you don't have any money, sometimes you can get away with the taxes. In fact, actually outside of Christ, there are only two promises in life, and that is one death and the second is to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And so like, like this, this like choice is pretty stark. It's like, it's like, I'm going to live on the no promises and 
face death alone without Christ? Or am I going to accept Christ as he is offered to us in the gospel, accept him, trust him, and get with him, not just him, but the fulfillment of every promise that has ever been given, saying, yes, yes, yes. So crazy. Paul's always doing this, and sometimes we just miss it. Like, we read it. We're like, really? Like, that's thing because this isn't the first time he's like showed like and the thing is like it's just this is just the logic of, of the gospel is that christ christ has lived a perfect life before god and in that perfect life is the recipient of god's blessings now if we are in him we are united to christ in such a way that he takes the penalty from our sin. And he gives to us his righteousness. And in his righteousness, all of God's promises on our life. This isn't isolated. Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You think like prosperity gospel preachers, they're like, come to Christ and get health and wealth. It's like, it's like that promise, like it sounds kind of crass, but the problem with, with it isn't that it's too big, but it's too small. Because this is actually the promise. Come to Christ and get literally everything there is, all things. And you think, like, this is, like, just, I throw, like, oh, yeah, it's two passages. It's like, no, 1 Corinthians 3.21, Paul's already written to the Corinthians this. So let no one boast in men, for, again, all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours in Christ. Like that, like, What? Like, God really said that? All are yours. And the reason why is that what does, what does Jesus Christ have? What is belonging to Jesus Christ? Everything. And if we are united to him by faith, what is ours in Christ? Everything. Everything. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why, through him, that we utter our amen to God for his glory. Okay, let's try this. Okay, I want you guys to say amen, but after when I point, okay? For all the promises of God find their yes in him. Amen. amen. Yeah, like amen. So, so amen, like it doesn't mean, although people use it like this, I'm done, amen, I'm done praying now. Like that's how we often use the word amen. But that's, that's not like, amen is a Hebrew word, goes way back in the, goes way back in the Bible. And it means truly, let it be so. Or even like you could translate, you could, you could translate it as yes. <laughs> like yes to God, yes. And this is the beauty of it. Like we say, we say the a amen, and it's actually, we say the a a amen through him, through him. 
Because through Christ, God gives his yes to everything that he has promised to us. And in Christ, through him, back to God, we say, amen, yes, back to him. Ultimately, for his glory. And this is what Christian prayer is. This is what Christian worship is. Is that we feel the blessing of God in every single thing that he has blessed us with. Oh, by the way, is it Thanksgiving weekend? It's like we thought we were giving thanks for, you know, family and good health. It's like, no, I'm giving thanks for everything, everything that God has given me. And in giving thanks, we say amen back to God for his glory forever and ever. Which is why we should probably, like, you know in those, like, some churches where people just sort of randomly, like the preacher's preaching their shallow, amen! Like, like, that's actually a much better use of amen than we actually do, because it should be an expression of worship. Like, amen, and it's not an amen, like, amen, good job, preacher, which maybe that's not the best, but it's amen, praise to the Lord who has given us this precious promise, every precious promise in Christ. All of it through him. Finally, Paul ends with a Trinitarian doxology. Christ to God. And how do we know the promise is true? Like that's the, the great thing. Because the, the Corinthians are feeling let down now. It's like travel plans have changed. Like, like there are difficulties in life. You just had these tribulations. We've got all these problems. I mean, a guy's sleeping with this. Like, the, yeah. like there's bad things going on. And it's like, how do we know it's true? And he ends by telling us how we know it's true. And it is God who establishes us. It's like, our plans have changed. But you know who's got everything? He's got the whole world. God establishes us with you in Christ. I mean, like, you know, we may not be able to see each other right now, but we are joined with Christ and has anointed us. Christ being the anointed one, and in Christ, the anointed one is king. In Christ, probably anointed also as royalty. By the way, all things are yours, all promises. And who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. And the spirit is the thing that establishes, yes, this promise that seems so outrageous. The spirit in our hearts is what is the seal to show that, yes, these things are true. So that by the spirit's power... Through the Son, we can say amen to God for Him in all the promises of God raining down with their yes to us. Every promise is for you in Christ. Every promise. All of them. Be in Christ. It's like you're like sitting on the sideline, like and, and and be in Christ and like dig deeper into Christ if you're not feeling that. Dig deeper into his word. Because sometimes like, man, 
you know, I, I really don't know any promises in the Bible. Well, just, just like keep reading. Like it's just full of promises. And then finally, in response to all that God is doing, we need to respond by saying yes to him. For every promise of God is ours in Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray that you would raise our eye level today to see you. That we would long for you to see that every problem in our lives is overcome by a promise in your word. Every problem in our lives is overcome by a promise in your word. And so I know, Lord, you will never leave or forsake us. I know that every promise there is yes in Christ. And so, Lord God, we can only reply. Oh God, amen, amen, amen to our God. Let it be so. Amen. Amen.